Welcome to Radio Rehab. I'm your host, Dana. I'm an addict and alcoholic. This is a show for other addicts and alcoholics and also for their families and for anyone who knows us. If this is your first time listening, we have over 300 episodes in the bank. You can go back and listen to all of them. If you can't get to a meeting right now, which is completely understandable, you can go back and listen to any of our episodes. Please do. We welcome you. And if you like what you hear, please rate, subscribe, and like us because uh, it makes me happy. Gives me a reason to wake up tomorrow. Welcome to episode two in my three-part series with my friend Sarah, where she discusses her struggles with ovarian cancer, which she has right now. In this episode, we're going to talk about recovery during cancer, prescription drugs and medication, the 11th step, my lack of understanding of prayer, and yoga practice and how it's helped her. Let's join the conversation. Welcome to Radio Rehab. Here's your host, Dana Keys. I don't think any anyone is supposed to put the recovery before cancer. <laughs> you know what and I mean? Not it's cancer because if it wasn't anything that was sounded less drastic. If it was a migraine, I'd be like, yeah, okay. <laughs> well, why not? I mean, migraine's probably pretty real. Well, yeah, oh no, I get them. They're awful, but like, I'm not. There's no yeah. way I could go ask for oxycotton. I they would yeah. love me. I mean, I. Thank God I'm not dying of pink eye. <laughs> Yeah, right. My pink, I've got this hangnail. I really need some opiates. No, no. I mean, cancer, this is what those drugs are prescribed for. And there's a lot of people in AA who even say like, you can't take Prozac or you can't, yeah. take, you know, uh, Robitussin when you have a cough. I disagree with that personally. Yeah. In my I'm all for, I think the most dangerous thing anyone can say is I've gone off my meds. We've talked about this. Yeah. That's, that's a my meds. Hence yeah. vanilla. Yeah, I, I think I'll have some vanilla in my milk and I'm going to go off my head. <laughs> it, was first, it was first just like, these aren't working. I'm not going to take them. Maybe there's something else. And then I think it was probably like a period of five days where I was like, I have anxiety and my grandma used to give me vanilla and milk and now it's okay for me to take it night to sleep. <laughs> like, yeah, no one should ever get off the meds they're prescribed. And anyone in AA, unless they're a fucking MD, has no right to tell anybody that, in my opinion. I'm it's with not you. their judgment. You know, I, I, I'm with you. There's, there is a big culture of old timers lecturing newcomers. Um, you know, clearly, clearly it's not a 100% good, you know? I mean, probably... <laughs> Shut up and listen is probably good advice 99% of the time. Right. And wait till they, wait till they get the cancer. <laughs> Let's hear how they feel. Yeah, I can't wait yeah. to be there when those people get the cancer. I have to tell you, it is. And another part of me does feel a little redeemed because as I told you, the, the, the start, the prime mover of my opiate addiction was pain, you know? Mm-hmm. You know granted, it helped with everything else and made me smile. But, but the, the reason why I started was pain. And now having, you know, this really intense stomach pain that's like, I feel like I've been in prep my whole life for this because it's, it's, ba- it's like stomach pain. And um, you told me it felt really like I was born this way. What? You told me it felt like giving birth when I talked to you when you first told me that you had. There cancer. was this one thing that did. Yeah. Yeah. What? Yeah. There was this one uh, die thing that was just insane. Um but I mean, obviously there's something messed up about me. I wasn't, I wasn't just, you know, I am just another addict. 
and I am just another addict with a really bad stomach ache that I've had forever. Right. And now it's sort of like cancer gives it a name, you know? Exactly. Ah. It's so yeah. hard to be that way. It's so hard to be an addict and an alcoholic like we are and then have something actually real like cancer. It's like, you don't get to compare, like no one gets to compare themselves to you. I mean, even my dad's sponsor with 43 years, like I said, he was like, this is why this medication was prescribed and yeah. you're gonna take it. I think it was Percocet or something. I still, and, and the weird thing, just like you, we can, we can talk forever about this and, and you have this shame that you have to sit with. Yeah. Despite the fact that there's many other people like you and you know we all empathize greatly. I can't simply, and one of the downsides of, of AA is I'm, one of, it's not a downside, you know, just something, a, a collateral injury is that I'm never going to completely accept the fact that I'm taking opiates for pain. It's just yeah. too familiar to pop pills. Well, that's the punishment part of the program, I think. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the same, the same people who tell you you can't take NyQuil if you're sick or you can't take uh, you know, Prozac if you're depressed. There's a whole line of those people. And they're all actually, in my opinion, really old. They're all like in their 80s and 70s and they just don't understand. But it's like, yeah, if a doctor prescribes you something and it's saving, for example, Prozac saved me from relapsing on heroin. When I had oh, eight, has helped me. I, I has helped me enormously in my life. I it is so made it possible for me to show up, have have a job that was you know so many things. Yeah. Yeah. And if anyone thinks Prozac gets you high, oh my God! Like go get your GED because yeah. you're really way behind everyone else. Like yeah. and then go become a PE coach. Like no way, Prozac <laughs> does not get you high. It's it like no. doesn't do anything except it just ignites that, you know, thing in your brain that I'm missing. It's like the doctor said, it's like starting a car. Like I turn the key and the ignition won't start and I'm missing something and it's serotonin or whatever it is, but the Prozac has helped. I've tried other meds that didn't help like Effexor because it made me feel tweaky. And I yes, I had that little feeling. Like I felt like there was like windshield wipers behind my eyes that went, Can we? Yeah, and my pupils were big and it, it made it just, I hated it. Well, Prozac's the only one I ever found either. Yeah, and it's the oldest one. It's so funny. There's all these new things, but Prozac was like the thing that worked. Mm. Yeah, people like, I, I just, I can't imagine like, I, and I, like I said, I know my dad's sponsor and other people with like 30 plus years who are like, you've got cancer. You better take what they give you. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. That's what it's meant for. Yeah, I, I am. I'm doing it. I, you know, I, I am doing it because um, when I, the you know, I've tried, I've gone days without doing it and they're pretty much lost days. You know, they're just like, if I want to do absolutely nothing and not be particularly nice or happy. Um, yeah. How was your 11th step to get on? Because this is for me, cancer is a great opportunity. Well, this is where we have to talk about the yoga because my 11 step is so non-existent. I hate sponsoring people when we get to the 11 step. I'm like, uh, so I guess pray and meditate. I don't do it. I know it's a practice. It's something I should have done. Maybe it would have prevented me from going, oh my God, I feel stressed out and I can't sleep. I should put some vanilla and milk. Maybe that would have stopped me, but I just, 
is I don't it know possible? what my opposition is. Okay. Is it possible you have too literal an understanding of what an 11 step is? Like that made me think when you said prayer and meditation, just like when we use God, we're not using like some reified deity, God with a capital G, you know, just forces or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's possible. Like, I know you like going to the gym, right? Yeah. And I just got to start a week ago. And- Good. Yeah. There, there, there's something about, I, I, this is my experience with yoga, was the cultivation of the body was how I got through to having some sort of appreciation. Just that the discipline of tending to the body led to what I decided to call my 11th step. Maybe it was convenient, but it works. It worked for me. I like that. I mean, I feel like the gym, like I come out of the gym and I feel like, oh my God, I'm fine. I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That's how I feel when I come out of the gym. And I think, I think that's what you're talking about. And I know you do yoga. And when I met you, I thought yoga was meant for stretching after you go to the gym. Yeah. So it was a practice and what it meant, but you've told me a lot about, you told me a lot about yoga. It all went over my head because I was like, what? (laughs) <laughs> like what, what's remember you told me about the seventh yoga tradition or something yeah, yeah yeah so you know i mean yoga by the way when i talk about this stuff i am the opposite of an expert all i all i am is like a sick person who's experienced who's done a lot of yoga like i'm not i'm not like there's people who are really up there and they're sanskrit and their understanding of the yoga sutras and all that i am not that person i have only my lived experience and a body that has been in pain. <laughs> okay, I just had to preface it. Like I'm not, you know. Anyways, for the, uh, I, I like, one of the reasons I liked yoga was it was a physical discipline, the asana, which are those bloody postures that everyone does, the warriors and the, the okay. flows. What, what everyone does and calls yoga, um, that's, that's only one, one part. It's like one eighth of the tree of yoga. Right. Um, and uh, in, in getting deeper into yoga, it's been like, I've been doing it for, I think, 20 years now. I started doing it when um, my daughter was born and I was really busy. I went back to work right away. So I had a tape and I, you know, and that's how I started. But then learning more, there's like all this other stuff that goes along with, with, with yoga and it has turned out to help me enormously. And I think one of the reasons I was attracted to it was, is you can, you know, you're, you're just like stretching and breathing and all that stuff, but you can, you can endow it with the, you know, with everything. You know, it, it has it has a, a mythology that somehow makes it more than just mindlessly exercising. And that attracted me. But you would have to know a lot about it to know that, right? Because I've taken yoga classes and it was it, well, they're Bikram, and you know what Bikram I is. I love Bikram. If only I wasn't oh. dead, I would do it. <laughs> and swamp yoga. God. Oh. For me, I, lo- I love that swamp yoga. I mean, I do all kinds of yoga. I'm really easy when it comes to what I'll do, but it's like going to war. Like how else are you going to have that experience outside of drugs and sex of being like squeezed out and turned around and you're like a different person when you come out, you know, whatever you were, when you walk into a hot hot yoga class, you're going to be somehow altered when you leave it. Because I'll be fainted because it's so hot. Born menopausal, like I'm so hot all the time. I like I can't deal. Well, you know, you certainly don't have to do it, but I mean, you could. It is like a journey, you know. Yeah, but what's 
but you do need to have an instructor. And I hate that when I lived in San Francisco, I didn't do this with you, but it was because I quit shaving my legs during the pandemic and I quit painting my toenails. And, and that's what I, I feel like you have to have to do yoga. You know what I mean? I feel like yes. you, can't have, you can't have ugly toenails. Everybody's got their perfect little pedicure. I have to tell you, I, I, I'm, you're kind of right. Like tending <laughs> one's feet is really key. There, there might be more to tending to one's feet than we than we give a credit for. Like supposedly on the death march to Bataan, the people who survived were the ones who were wearing good shoes. <laughs> so tending to one's feet it might be really key, you know? And yeah. what, what was the part you liked? Oh, right, right, right. Okay. Seventh so thing. You told me about- This helped me. Seven. Yeah, this helped me in yoga. Um, this helped me yoga and helped me with this period of time. So, you know, this is the last, this may be, maybe one of the last experiences I have, you know? Like in a sense, like I have the upper, I always thought when I was a kid, like, you know, I have no idea what's gonna happen when I die. Is it gonna take me by surprise? Like, what is it, how is it supposed to happen? Like, do you think about it a lot or do you just get like knocked over the head when you're not paying attention, which is better? And I have to say, I'm kind of grateful to have this time of consciousness before I potentially go. I'm not saying I'm gonna go. I. I, I will cleave to that 17% chance of life, you know, but. That was, it, gave you 17% chance? That's what the internet got, gave me. Like they won't, they, no one's going to come up and say, you know, lady, <laughs> <laughs> you're going tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah. Um, so, so where were we? Oh yeah. So um, it's the, one of the last times I'm going to have to handle this with grace and there's this yoga sutra. Sutra means thread, right? So yoga philosophy is like these little thoughts. There's a book called the Yoga Sutras by Patanjali and who knows who really wrote it or whatever, but there's all these little thoughts uh -huh. about what yoga is and what it can provide and how to live a good life. And there's this one that says, talks about the kleshas, which are, the kleshas are the five primary things that cause misfortune in life. And one of them, the last one is cleaving to life. Like if you're that, that along with ignorance, egotism, and like, uh, you know, aversion and, uh, you know, all the, all the other ones, but clinging to life. Isn't that kind of, is that a Buddhist thought too? Isn't it? I'm like, sure. I can't tell the difference between what's Hindu and what's Buddhist. I wish I did. I can't tell you what the difference is between what are the Buddhist thoughts and what are the Hindu well, thoughts. I just, I know it's like clinging to anything in Buddhism. Like you're not supposed to be attached to anything. Yeah. That, and that's my dumbass, you know. No, you're right. But stuff. it's helping me right now. Like, I'm not, like, I don't see. I'm really, I realize I'm really comfortable with the idea that um, my my little ego person, whatever that thing, whatever my, my being is, it, leave, it going back to some sort of primary source that seems like a good idea. I mean, I really am okay with not being on the planet. Oddly enough, my husband has this morbid fear of death and it just makes him feel like he's on a rocking ship whenever he thinks about mortality. But I, I'm more than happy. I'm good. I choose not to believe in an understandable afterlife. I just assume I'm going back to some, some source and uh, that gives me comfort. And and I can then I then I can handle it with grace, and I get to think about it. I get to I get to experience what's gonna, you know, what's gonna happen. And um, 
Yeah, I, I, I don't think it's a tragedy for, for me at this stage in my life. I've had some good times. At other times when I've been like angry, upset or hated life or hated people, it would have been worse time for me to go. But yeah. now I'm, I'm kind of oddly satisfied. You know, I got my daughter through high school. She's almost done with college. You know, the, the, when, she, when she was in middle school, when I first got cancer, which was a less bad kind of cancer, I had breast cancer. I, it, no one thought I was going to die. In fact, it was irritating how quick they were to dismiss wow. it and tell me to get better. But no one thought I was going to die. But she was in middle school and I wasn't pleased with where I lived. And there were like a million things I wasn't happy about. That would have been a suck ass time to die. But oh. now I'm feeling okay about myself. Like I can see myself gently waving as the parade goes by versus getting really upset about the whole thing. So um, I, w I hope. Get then again, I also am aware that like, you know, in the moment, like if I am conscious in the moments before I go, I, I might feel totally different and scream and shout and cleave desperately to, you know, whatever I think life is. But for now, I have this goal of being non-attached and I've been practicing it forever, you know, I mean, not forever, but like, it just doesn't seem tragic. I get you. I've watched people die who have no spiritual connection. Maybe they were a little religious. That moment Tell me about it. is beautiful. I mean, I've been in the room and gone, oh my God. Like I'm like, if I was going to die tomorrow of not, not of a car crash, you know, but like of a natural cause from what I've seen from my grandparents and my friend who passed away in front of me from what I've seen, I don't know what's happening that they see, but it looks amazing. There's something. That's what I want to hear. There's something. No, I, I, and my grandmother, you know, and I mean, this is so sad for her. She lost my biological father. Um, he was 24 years old. You know, we Southern. So she had him when she was 16. That was her baby. Uh, she lost both her husbands. She lost so much. And on her deathbed, she sat straight up and like threw her arms out and was like, <gasps> and the nurse was like, are you seeing angels? And she said, it's wonderful. He <sighs> died. I mean, and that's she, I, I've never even heard her use the word wonderful. She was real Cajun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she, she didn't talk like that, mm -hmm. but whatever happened was beautiful. And the night before my dad passed away, like I remember holding his hand and going, are you okay? And his pupils were already dilating because he was losing oxygen. And I didn't realize that at the time. Mm -hmm. Are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? And he just goes, I'm fine, Dane. And he grabbed my hand and went, I love you. I'm fine. Oh, I find this so comforting. I have to tell you, giving birth, giving birth is horrible. Oh God, Not all all cats do it. <laughs> like cats, what are you kidding? I'm not giving birth, shit. <laughs> Maybe shit up their backs. It's like, I'd rather have somebody who just uses a litter box in the house. Like babies freak me out. <laughs> like, no, I, I feel like death would be way better than birth. Honestly, from what I know about it. It's funny. When I gave birth, I had a really hard time. I everyone said, oh, you know, you walk, you breathe. You're, you know, you're going to be fine. You're going to, it's just going to happen. I had this terrible time giving birth and had to have an emergency C-section and all this stuff. And I remember... I remember thinking, never forget this. 
because I thought I had uncovered the origin of misogyny, like why people hate women. <laughs> and it was that they could suffer more than anybody else. And that like, I thought that I had uncovered truths about the universe that, uh, that um, you know, pretty much birth and death were disgusting, fleshy mess. And in between those two things, we sent each other greeting cards and pretended none of it was happening. So that I really thought that, but I'm I'm much I'm I'm dropping that at this point. I'm going with what your grandma and what your dad saw and what I I, I have to presume that there is meaning and it's gonna be lovely. And my other grandpa and my best friend. I mean, it was just, I've never seen such a feeling of I'm like, what are you looking at? And you know, when Lou Reed died, he was married to Lori Anderson, he died in her lap. She wrote this beautiful article that was so amazing about the look of peace on his face and this face he just made and he just said, I love you, it's okay. Mm. And just pass. That does not sound anything like childbirth. Not, I, no. I really stupidly conflated those two things. They're not the same. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> death, unless you're getting stabbed to death in the neck or like strangled, <laughs> that would suck. <laughs> Those fuckers. <laughs> no, but like, but, but a death coming from like, you know, a disease or however you're dying or old age or whatever. I've seen nothing but beauty. Yay. Like, I, I, mean, I want to put in a, thing for AA quickly too, because we're so well organized. Like I thought, I finally was like having some issues and I was talking to a yoga teacher, my yoga teacher. And he was like, do you think you might want some sort of support group? And I was like, yes, that's what I need. So I tried to find a cancer support group for people with, you know, metastatic cancer. And it's been so bloody hard. Like it's like they wanted, you know, whatever hospitals think, it just been, it's been so difficult to find one. And I think, God bless AA, you know, we're there. Like something good, something really positive about our organization. So it, 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 we're kind of hard not to find. Whereas yeah. I cannot for the life of me, no matter how many people I contact, get a simple response to the question is, is there a support group? Like I'll get, you know, a, a schedule that talks about like lectures on what to eat and breathe and, right. you know, yoga in a chair and shit like this that I'm not interested in. A simple, like, let's talk to someone support group of other people who also are having the same thing has not been so easy to find. God bless AA. Everyone should follow us on that one. Absolutely. And, and one of the girls who helped me get sober, her name was Leslie and she died. She had metastatic breast cancer. She lived for like 17 years with it. Mm -hmm. I saw her like a few days before she died. She was skinny as fuck and it was terrifying to look at. You know, but I thanked her for letting me know that, you know, relapsers can still make it. And she cried and said, thank you. But the look on her face was so peaceful. And her daughters told me, uh, she right, that right before she died, she said, you know what? I think I want a banana <laughs> or and some pudding. And they were like, okay, let's go get it. And right before she died, she go, she pointed at herself and goes, this banana is going to be fine. Uh -huh. I know. God, I hate crying, but damn, that makes me cry. I like it. Yeah, that she's going to be okay. You know? I, know. Again, she, I think that's the point. There's worse things than death. No, 
I think, I mean, I think, I wonder why my grandmother fought death for so long. Like, cause she's been gone. For, she was gone for so long with all the strokes, but mm-hmm. like, when she passed away, it was in her own bed right next to where she slept with her husband, who she was married to for 63 years, I believe he had already passed away and she just went to sleep and she looked so peaceful, even in her coffin. Like it was like a smile. And it wasn't because they taped her face or did some weird shit. <laughs> it was like, she just naturally was like, I'm cool. Yeah. I guess the thing is, you you know, I cannot talk about, um, I'm sort of uh, in, within my immediate family. It's sort of, I'm not allowed to discuss the fact that I may not, you know, be living in the future, you know, your it daughter. really tweaks them. Yeah, I have to. Oh, uh, yeah, I have I to go with a kind of gung ho attitude until I guess maybe I'll reach that time, or or first of all, either I'll get better, and then we can have a different conversation about some other horror. Oh, yeah, that'll be awesome. Or 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 I'll get to a point where I'm sick enough that we then begin to have a discussion. Um, but I guess you have to go through a whole bunch. Before it's you, before more than it hurts artistic you. expression comes through, like your grandmother, she yeah. had to do the fighting. I don't know. I think it's going to hurt them way more than it hurts you. You know, like the pain of death is for the living, not the dying person. Yeah, my opinion. I do, and I do see them. I see, like I, like sitting since I'm talking to you right now, and also having shared stories with you. I see, I see your struggles, and I see them through. There is a. There is a slight lens, you know, there is something, uh, you're, you're, you're in the midst of life and it's really difficult. And yeah. for some reason, even with my doubts about this or that or the other, I, I'm right now I'm, I'm, I'm protected from like the world somehow. Oh yeah. Luckily, I, I don't know. I just feel, I feel, de- I feel detached. I hope it's healthy. I no, hope- I think it is. Mm-hmm. It is like, why, why the fuck should you be depressed? And I know it's got to be hard to be around people like your husband and your daughter who love you and are going, how are we going to live without her? Like, it's going to be hard for them, but hopefully that doesn't transfer to you because you're, you're going to like, I hope you don't go, but if yeah. you do, it's going to be peacefully. I just I hope, hope nobody okay. puts their shit on you. You know, I, I hope I can do this last, like this last act. Well, there have been some other acts that I didn't handle so well in my life. <laughs> I heard that. <laughs> Same. No, I, I mean, I just, I think it'll be beautiful. I just, I just, but of course, then I, I'm the selfish part. I'm like, oh, you're the only person I really liked. I hope no one's listening to this. <laughs> you like so many people. To somebody who got like, I can actually talk to and ask to meet me for coffee. You're the only person I've ever asked to meet me for coffee in the Bay Area. I hope you realize that. I well, was like, I there's you, only I one person it, I want to talk to. I think, um, I think you have more friends than you're, you're, you're remembering at this one moment. Oh, I got a ton of them, but you were the one that I wanted to talk to. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, I, maybe I'll be around for a while. Maybe Certainly, I'm easy to reach. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going that many places. If you die, you better show up during a seance. I will. You know, I want to tell you, I'm going to do my best to leave positive notes. Like if I have any control from the other side, I will try to gently, only positively, like give you a smiley face from the other side. I hear it's very easy to work with electricity. <laughs> no, I'm seriously, I've seen a lot of psychics. Okay. It's easy for them to flicker lights. I know okay. my whole family has done that when they died. It's the light flickering. They all do okay. that. 
but like, you know, moving an object is, you know, goes It takes down a Herculean strength. Yes, but I can play with the electricity. Cool. No, but you can like flip, I can be like, Sarah, you're listening. And like, maybe some light will flicker or something. Mm-hmm. I'll try. Thanks again to my dear friend, Sarah, and her beautiful honesty about her struggles right now with ovarian cancer while being in recovery at the same time. This is a three-part series, and episode three is coming up next, and that's when it's my turn to get honest. Please tune in when I discuss the shame of being a newcomer, vanilla extract, fear of announcing yourself, and total denial. If you want to be on the show or you know anyone who should be on the show, please contact us. The email is radiorehab at gotoproductions.com. That's go-toproductions.com. You can also call or text 415-496-9511, even when we're not in studio. And on all the socials, it's at Radio Rehab Dana, D-A-Y-N-A. Thank you for listening. Keep coming back.